the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Before God saved us, we were enemies of God. We opposed Him. Now He saved us. He's given us eternal life. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. he's, He's made us His bride. The Bible says we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. He's given us so many blessings, so many gifts, so much riches. It's all because of God. It's all that God has done for us. Where, where would we be without Jesus Christ? When you have an enemy, what do you want to do with them? Most likely, your first response isn't to take them in, meet their needs, heal their wounds, forgive their wrongs, and restore them into a better life. In our sinful nature, we want our enemies to experience justice swiftly. Yet, as Pastor Dan will remind us in today's message, when God looks at us, even as we're living in outright sin and rejecting His love, He wants to take us in and make us right. Jesus took the punishment we deserve to make that possible. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 16, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Mount Sinai was really a marriage ceremony. God took Israel as his wife and entered into a covenant with her. Then, after you know, he takes her as his wife, verse 9 says, Then I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood and I anointed you with oil. This is describing part of a marriage Ceremony in ancient times during a marriage ceremony, uh, they they would have a ceremonial bath. They would anoint the bride with oil and anoint the groom with oil as well as part of the marriage ceremony. Uh, and then the the groom would give gifts to the bride as an expression of his love. Uh, today we give typically an engagement ring of some kind as an expression of our love and devotion. And they would give gifts to their wife, to their bride, as an expression of their love. What is called in Scripture a bride price, or marriage gifts. Uh, If you're taking notes, we see an example of this in Genesis 24-53, when uh, the servant of Abraham goes to find a wife for Isaac, and he finds Rebekah, and in Genesis 24:53, it describes the servant giving Rebekah gifts, jewelry, and clothing as a gift from her future husband. Um, another example in the New Testament, the, the parable of the woman in Luke 15, who has 10 coins 
and she loses one of the coins. You remember that parable? And then she lights a lamp and she searches very diligently until she finds that one coin that was lost. The coin that she lost, is, is a, it's a drachma. It's not really worth that much at all. It's worth a few pennies. But she tore apart her house looking for that one coin. It's like you looking for a nickel and tearing your house apart just for a nickel. Well, that one coin of tin was probably a coin out of a, of a decorative headdress that she received as a wedding gift from her husband. So even though the coin wasn't really worth that much, it was worth a whole lot to her. Because it was a wedding gift. And that's why she tears the house apart looking for it. Well, what God describes here, He describes all of these uh, luxurious gifts that He gives to His wife. In verse 10, I clothed you in embroidered cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin, which was a very fine, uh, luxurious uh, material. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck, and I put a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. So he he bestows all these gifts upon his bride. Again, we see our story in this. God has made a covenant with us. The covenant that He made in His blood at the Last Supper, the, the shedding of blood for the remission of our sins, the blood of Jesus Christ. The church is described as the bride of Christ. As I said, Jesus washes us and cleanses us through His blood. He makes us clean from all of our sin and all of our filth. He washes us with the water of His Word. He anoints us with the Holy Spirit. He, he gives us you know, clothing. He says, I clothed you in embroidered cloth. Very fine uh, clothing that he gives his wife here. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, right? We're clothed in his righteousness. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 61 says, My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. He blesses us. With gifts, he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? As an, as an earnest, he gives us the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians one says we we do not lack in any gift. He's bestowed every gift upon us. Ephesians chapter one says he has lavished on us the riches of his grace, and so we we can see our own story in this parable. Verse 13 says, Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate pastry of fine flour, honey, and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty. Your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect throughout, through my splendor, which I had bestowed on you, says the Lord God. He says, you, you succeeded to royalty. You know, what, what a re- remarkable story of God's redemption here. Starting out as an abandoned baby, left in a field, unwanted, left to die. Now she's married to royalty. Now she has 
all of these blessings and abundance and riches bestowed upon her and provided for her by her, her husband. She's famous throughout the world for her beauty and for her perfection that her husband has bestowed upon her. Again, you think about where she came from. And to rise to, to, to this level. And Israel owes it all to God. This is something that God has done. Otherwise, you know, without God, they'd be dead in the field. But God has rescued her and God has blessed her. And God has poured out His blessing and His abundance and His riches. And He has elevated her. He has made her famous throughout the world. And again, we see ourselves in this story. Everything we have is from God by His grace. Right? First Corinthians, Paul says, uh, what do you have that you didn't receive? And everything that we have that is good in our lives is from the Lord. And, and, and we, were, we were dead in our sins. We were, the Bible tells us, when before God saved us, we were enemies of God. We opposed Him. And now He saved us. He's given us eternal life. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. He, he's, he's made us His bride. The Bible says we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. He's given us so many blessings, so many gifts, so much riches. It's all because of God. It's all that God has done for us. Where, where would we be without Jesus Christ? So he lays, he lays this out, this, this story, through this parable. And it's their story. This is the testimony. Verses 1 to 14. This is the testimony of Jerusalem. And it's all, all God's doing. Then we come to verse 15. And he says, but you, you trusted in your own beauty. Remember, he just told us that God is the one who made them beautiful. But now they're trusting in their beauty. You played the harlot because of your fame. You poured out your harlotry on every passing by, everyone passing by who would have it. Now, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you don't have to turn there, you can just listen. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 to 12, God warned the children of Israel before He brought them into the promised land. And He said, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which, you, which He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. There God says, when you come into the land and you experience all the blessing and all the goodness that I'm going to give you in the land, careful that you don't forget. Be careful that you don't forget me and be careful that you don't forget where you came from. You, you were slaves in Egypt when I rescued you. And I'm the one who has given all of this to you. And here, here we see God says to, to Jerusalem, you, 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 you started trusting in your beauty. This beauty that God bestowed upon them. The blessing. The fame. All of it. They began to trust in. They began to you know, believe their own press kind of thing. 
They became prideful. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. They forgot. They forgot where they came from. They forgot they were as good as dead when God rescued them. They forgot that they owe their very life to God. And they forgot that they owe everything that they have to Him. And everything that made them beautiful. And everything that made them perfect. And everything that made them famous. It all came from Him. Their status as as royalty is only because of their marriage to God. It's all from Him. And I think for us, there's a warning in this that we need to be careful not to forget where we came from, who we were before God saved us and rescued us, what He saved us out of, and that everything we have is from Him and because of our our relationship with Him. It's all His doing. It's all His grace, all His goodness in our lives. We don't want to forget that. So what did they do? Verse 16, you took some of your garments and adorned multicolored high places for yourself and you played the harlot on them. Such things should not happen nor be. Again, these garments are the the, the gifts that God gave to them, you know, as their marriage gift that they received from God as a token of his love for them. They used those things to practice idolatry and to commit a spiritual adultery with these other gods. And again, he says, this shouldn't be. I mean, how offensive is this to God? How insulting. Verse 20, I'm sorry, uh, verse 18 or 17. You have also taken your uh, beautiful jewelry from my gold and my silver, which I had given you and made for yourself male images and played the harlot with them. They made idols. You took your embroidered garments and covered them. You, you, you know, they dressed their idols with the garments that God had given to them. You set my oil and my incense before them. Also my food, which I gave you, the pastry of fine flour, oil and honey, which I fed you. You set it before them as sweet incense. And so it was, says the Lord God. Moreover, you took your sons and your daughters, whom you bore to me, and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your acts of harlotry a small matter that you have slain my children and offered them up to them by causing them to pass through the fire and in your abominations and acts of harlotry, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare and struggling in your own blood? They, they worshipped Molech, the God Molech, and as part of that worship, they practiced child sacrifice and they offered their children to Molech. Even we know even some of the kings of Israel 
practice child sacrifice in their worship of Molech. And God here is very clear to call them my children. You sacrificed my children to these gods. These children that belonged to God. And and for God, this, this was the ultimate offense. You know, he says at the end of verse 20, were your acts of harlotry a small matter? And the answer is no. They were huge. This, this is, the, this is the, the greatest offense to God. That they would sacrifice their children to other gods. Verse 22, again, God says, you don't remember the days of your youth. You no longer remember where, they, where God rescued them from and what their condition was when God rescued them. Verse 23, then it was so after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you, says the Lord God, that you also built for yourself a shrine and made a high place for yourself in every street in Jerusalem. Every street. But you built your high places at the head of every road and made your beauty to be aboard. You offered yourself to everyone who passed by and multiplied your acts of harlotry. You also committed harlotry with the Egyptians, your very fleshly neighbor, and increased your acts of harlotry to provoke me to anger. Every street in the city of Jerusalem where God's house dwelt, the temple, they, they set up shrines to other gods and, and high places, literally they were mounds that they set up on every street, it says, to practice their idolatry and engage in all these lewd acts as part of their idolatry and their worship of these other gods, right out there in the open. Not in secret. Not hidden away. But on every street corner. You couldn't get away from it if you wanted to get away from it. It was everywhere. God says you offered yourself to everyone who passed by. And he uses very, very graphic language here. Again, he does this to to jolt the listener. The language that he uses. And he says here, you know, what he what he made beautiful, the city of Jerusalem, uh, they made abhorrent by their sin. They ruined it. Behold, therefore, I stretched out my hand against you, diminished your allotment and gave you up to the will of those who hate you, the daughters of the Philistines who were ashamed of your lewd behavior. The Philistines were ashamed of their behavior. The Philistines. They, they were grossed out by what they were doing in Jerusalem. <laughs> Verse 28, You also played the harlot with the Assyrians because you were insatiable. Indeed, you played the harlot with them and still you were not satisfied. Moreover, you multiplied your acts of harlotry as far as the land of the traitor Chaldea, the Babylonians. And even then, you were not satisfied. How degenerate is your heart, says the Lord God. Seeing you do all these things, the deeds of a brazen harlot. If you you go back up here, God says in verse 27 that God began to act against Israel, the nation, because of their sin. That's what he means when he says, I stretched out my hand against you. There's a point in their history where God is gracious and God is long-suffering and he waits for them to repent and they refuse to repent. And there reaches a point in the, in the, nation of the, hist- in the, in the history of the nation 
morally, where, where God finally begins to act against the nation. His hand is against them. Where before His hand of blessing was upon that nation, now His hand has turned and His hand is against them. He says here, look at verse 27. He says, I have diminished your allotment. What God did is in, in, in putting His hand against them, He began to remove the territory that He gave to them and He began to give their land to enemy countries. He diminished them as a nation. This is what God does. God judges nations morally. And there is a point where God, because that nation refuses to repent and turn back to Him and turn away from their wicked ways, there is a point where God just begins to slowly diminish that nation and diminish that nation's power, diminish that nation's success, diminish that nation's wealth. In this case, diminish that nation's territory. He just weakens the nation. I mean, you, you think about how great the nation, the kingdom of Israel was under David and Solomon. And now it's, it's in ruins and it's on the verge of judgment and destruction. He's diminished them down to nothing. And again, there's a warning in this for us. Our sin diminishes God's blessing in our lives. If we continue on in sin and we don't repent and we don't turn from our sins, we don't confess our sins to God, we don't walk in the light, we just allow those sins to continue in our lives, God begins to diminish the blessing. We, we lose the things. We start to lose the things that God has given to us to bless us. We just diminish. Or things aren't what they used to be. The blessing's not there the way that it used to be. And, and in Israel, in Judah, as God diminished them, it was, it was over a long period of time. It was kind of this slow erosion that was happening in the nation. And the nation, and this is the crazy thing to me, and yet it's not so crazy when you look at the world we're in today. That things could just progress along this road where things are diminishing and diminishing and diminishing and the nation never repented. They just allowed it all to disappear. All the great things, all the blessing, all the abundance, all the goodness, all the riches, all of it, it just it diminishes over time to the point that it just disappears. And they never repented. There was never a point where the nation turned back to God and said, we're, we're, this is costing us too much. We're losing all the things that have made us great. We're losing all the blessing. And we need to turn back to God. It never happened. Verse 31, he says, You erected your shrine at the head of every road and built your high place in every street, yet you were not like a harlot because you scorned payment. You are an adulterous wife who takes strangers instead of her husband. Men make payment to all harlots, but you made your payments to all of your lovers and hired them to come to you from all around for your harlotry. You are the opposite of other women and your harlotry because no one solicited you to be a harlot and that you gave payment, but no payment was given to you. Therefore, you are the opposite. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest. 
We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Ezekiel together. If you'd like to hear this message again or more from Pastor Dan, feel free to visit our website at calvaryec.com. You can listen to and download a wide range of previous broadcasts or simply subscribe to our podcast. Sometimes life can get busy, and when it gets busy, it can be hard to find the time to dig deeper into the Bible for ourselves. At Ring of Truth, we've tried to make it a bit easier for you. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you go. This way, you'll have encouragement from God's Word throughout the day. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life. So please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. We'd also love to be praying for you. So when you call, feel free to share any prayer requests that are on your heart, and we'd be happy to pray with and for you. Well, that's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Dan continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Ezekiel, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize